It's time for The Cable Guy, the podcast that talks about every appearance of Nathan, Christopher, Charles, Dayspring, Ascani Sun, Summers. Junior. <laughs> the all-purpose adventure guy, otherwise known as Cable. I am Grant Richter, and this is episode 17, I think. Good journey, and welcome back. <laughs> I'm not really sure what I'm doing with the wrong name. I'll figure it out before I post it. <laughs> it is a very special episode of the show because we're finally going to talk about my favorite nonsensical 90s X-Men crossover, the Executioner song, because I refuse to say Executioner song because it's stupid. <laughs> and I will say it a hundred times for you. Executioner. It's the executioner. And joining me for this very special episode, you've already heard them. Jason <laughs> Venable from the podcast that goes snicked and Danny Hello. from the Excalibros. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. With various levels of enthusiasm. <laughs> hey, we're ha- no, I'm happy to be here. We'll see how happy we are with the comics, but we're happy to be here. <laughs> Really, your favorite? This really your favorite? I love this event. Like, I, I'm going to have some fun with this, too. It's the most so we'll, of all the 90s events. So I think we may have to make a, a, a classic X-Men cover with a executioner song in the middle and then us on the side yelling at each other. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this crossover the way I love, like, late 80s hair metal. So <laughs> my, my taste is uh, suspect. Well, I think the question is: Is it is it like stuff you honestly love for the quality, or or is a lot of it like nostalgia for when you were reading it, you know, younger years? Actually, I did not read this when I was younger. I dropped off of X Force before Liefeld left the book, and mm-hmm. just something. So you picked this up like last week, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is the best <laughs> thing ever." For some reason, 2018, I don't know what it was, um, I just got on this cable kick and I did like an entire read-through of every cable appearance from his first up until um, like the, the the thing where Hope first appeared, Baby Hope, and then I kind of fell off after that because it got so grimdark, but yeah, I... <laughs> I think I know, like, I think by this point, Fabian Nissiez is the only person that knows more about Cable than I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, I, then I petition, hey, Marvel, give Grant a Cable book. I'm telling you. So, though, though Dugan's doing pretty good right now. Dugan's doing great. Yeah. Although I am, I am going to skip my, uh, my notes for the <laughs> Cable because I am That's all over, I am done with X of Swords. Uh, I've only read cable issues and I'm just done with it. I don't care. Yeah, I think uh, Dan is officially checked out and George just waiting for my permission. So, <laughs> well, We only have like one more episode recorded right? this. at this point. I, I, I need to comment on how it ends. Like if right. I don't, I'll just have like comic blue balls for the rest of my life. So. Like, really, that, you guys talking about it is really all I need. I, I don't need to read these issues at this point. <laughs> that's funny. But that's today. I think we need to talk about 1992, where there was another event. Yeah. Not quite as grand in scope. I don't think there's not 22 parts to this one. A, a meager 12. Right. Um, plus, plus three uh, um, PS right, issues. Right, files, <laughs> which we will not be talking oh. about. I forgot. I wasn't even thinking about Strike Files. I was thinking about, like, there's an issue of uh, Uncanny that's, like, officially Song's End, and then there's a uh, 
also an X Force and X Factor issues that have the teams yelling at Professor X when <laughs> it's all over. Or Xavier yeah. was rollerblading with Jubilee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the last in the last day he can walk and he's on rollerblades. Right. <laughs> can I, yeah. Can I just point out that um Nightcrawler and his team had the right idea and stayed away? Yeah, Excalibur is nowhere to be seen. Nope. So so well, you might wonder then, well, why are the Escalabros here? Well, A, because we love them, and B, because they are covering the, the 90s X-Factor book. So um thought it was uh, ad propos to get their input here. Which Peter David very reluctantly participated in. <laughs> right. Um, now, just to, just to catch up, anyone who is listening to this show for the first time, because Jason's on it or because Dan and Georgie are on it, this is um, – this is the thing that Nicieza put together to kind of solidify where he wanted to go with Cable from this point. Um, like I said, Peter David was very reluctantly roped into doing this. Scott Lobdell um, did his own thing kind of over in the corner because he and Bob Harris were kind of on the same track of how the mutant should be going. So while Peter David is snarking his way through it, and Nicieza is kind of satirizing where the X-Men were in the 90s. Scott Lobdell was taking it very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. But, and I've done the build-up to this on the episode two issues ago, two episodes ago with Cable, Blood, and Metal. And if you haven't listened to that before this, I highly recommend you go do so because it kind of sets the groundwork for it. I feel like Peter David being forced into events is kind of a summation of his career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, By the well, way, Grant, I did really enjoy your, your Blood and Metal issue. Um, I read that right before I listened to it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I took a week off to catch up on my reading, and nothing that didn't make sense, but hearing your commentary definitely helped provide some... Uh, thematical clarity <laughs> and i honestly don't know how much of that was you know how much of my commentary is canon or if it's just <laughs> reading into stuff right. canon. so so basically i read in the grant verse is what you're telling right. me yeah okay all right but uh, speaking I'm of okay with that. Off, i do want to apologize to uh listeners to the show on the last episode, which was my election day special, where I talked about Cable punching out Hitler with a giant robot suit, I did mention that I would, if things went well with the election, which they did, I would do another episode the week after, which I did not. Um, basically, already breaking your election promises. <laughs> <laughs> basically, my psyche has been clenched like a fist for the past four years, and I just had to take a couple weeks off to just decompress. So now I feel I feel much better now. So yeah. back back to the business. But I believe I'm starting us off. Am I am I correct? I think so. Yeah. All right. So Executioner's Song Part One begins with Uncanny X Men number two ninety four from November of nineteen ninety two. It is written by Scott Lobdell, penciled by Brandon Peterson, colored by Mike Thomas, inked by Terry Cavanaugh. Um. And the cover is someone who we're supposed to believe is Cable standing over the uh, prone and shot in the chest form of Professor X with a blank background. 
and uh, not Cable is standing there with a gun pointed to the sky with smoke coming out of the barrel of the gun. And I do not like this cover. Uh, I oh, really? I, I like this cover quite a bit. <laughs> I like I like the concept of the cover. I don't like Brandon Peterson's execution of it. He is my least favorite artist of the of the artist in this uh, story. Um, I think that makes sense. I will like him better later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this early Marvel work of his is definitely. I don't know. It's interesting. I can't it's, tell who what he's. I feel like he's trying to ape something and not quite doing I, it. I feel like it. His work is like if you. If Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld met in the middle is where you, <laughs> it, it's better than Rob. It's better than the guys that took over for Rob on X-Force, Dan Panosian and uh, the other guy. Pachella. Right. It's like yeah, he yeah. doesn't have his problem with proportions, um, but his perspective is sometimes a little wonky and he gets a little line heavy with the faces. I don't know. It just His art just feels kind of stiff to me. But that's just me personally. You know, yeah, no, I think that's pretty fair. Anytime I can see Professor Xavier screaming in agony. <laughs> Which you get for creeping on 15-year-old Gene. Right. But we open... I do sh- like that Cable has, in addition to pouches, cargo pants. Yes. Cargo pants are... Yeah. Um, and he's not wearing the H-Vest. He's wearing some kind of neck cozy... <laughs> That's a cable. That's a future scarf. That's a scarf. Oh. For the future. <laughs> right. I, I have, you know, there are those like strike, uh, strife uh, f- files issues or whatever. Is there like a special cable issue where he takes you through like what are actually in his pouches? Like, <laughs> almost, like diagrams? Yeah, diagrams. <laughs> like really for the hardcore cable fans to explain what he keeps in the pouches, how he uses them. You know all his different outfits. What his different guns do? Is there is there like a behind the scenes cable issue like this? Well, I've I've developed the headcanon that cable's vegan, so his pouches are filled with things like granola and carrot sticks. <laughs> right, right. Just a lot of protein. A lot of protein. <laughs> lot of cashews mostly. Right. That's funny. <laughs> but well, we open with. I'm sorry, Dan. Go ahead. Well, um, I think he's just a fashionista, and this cover is him killing the night. Comic world. Um, <laughs> or not him, not Cable, the other one. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, any more thoughts on the covers? Yeah, I think we're nope. good. Okay. So, we open with one of many mullets that are featured in this book. <laughs> uh, this one being that of Warren Worthington, Warren Worthington III, who is using an image inducer to hide his blueness as he uh, takes Charlotte Jones into a limo for kissy time on their way to a free concert in Central Park. And we go to that concert where we get my favorite panel of this entire story, because uh, in addition to Lila Shaney, who's doing music at the concert, Professor X will also be speaking there. So the X-Men will be doing uh, kind of stealth security, and we get a shot of Rogue and Bishop on their way to go try out as backup dancers for CNC Music <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Everybody dance now. Um, this is this is okay. I like Rogue's costume. Rogue's outfit is neat. It doesn't, you know, she's changed her color scheme. She's now wearing red and 
cream, I guess, with a pair of tennis shoes, with a with a green bomber jacket. I feel like she's getting ready to record her own aerobics video. Yes, very right. much. Yes. One and two, sugar. <laughs> yeah. But Bishop is got is wearing all his muscles and mm-hmm. is a pair of blue and green G.I. Joe Eco Force pants. <laughs> He's wearing a pair of uh combat boots, a very tight tank top, a pair of John Lennon sunglasses, a red hat, and his mullet. And it's just amazing and how how bad that is. But that's I love it. Uh. <laughs> They're they're almost strong guy glasses. Those eyes are so far apart. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, and he is, you know, he Bishop is lamenting the fact that they can't do proper crowd control and crowd security, which will prove to be uh, accurate. (laughs) Right. So under the stage, we have a pair of anti-mutant would-be terrorists that are sending a bomb, and not Cable shows up and literally incinerates them because he's then standing with one foot on a skull afterwards, uh, which is pretty fun. Yeah. They, get, they get zapped real good. And then from there, we go to Harry's Hideaway, where Scott's being a creeper. <laughs> this 1992 is, is another year of Cyclops just being a complete... Gross individual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I was Gene at this point, I would be really scared because he left his wife and his child to be with Gene, and now he's right. constantly fixated on Psylocke. Yeah. Um, it's not great, but yeah, I really like Gene during this period, um, just because she's you know Cable's kind of sort of mom. But I do not like Scott during this period at all. Um. From there, we're across the street, and uh, Colossus is lamenting the death of his brother, but doesn't want to talk about it. And then we get mullet number three, which is Gambit. Because I never really thought about Gambit's hair outside of the costume much, but he's... Okay, I, I have to back up to the fact that under his trench coat, Gambit was wearing a tank top and a pair of biking shorts. Yeah. Which is quite a look. Um <laughs> He was trying out for Guns N' Roses after he, this. He was doing something. I just think it's 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 not a bad outfit. It's just with the trench coat makes it especially fun. <laughs> but he and Storm are posted somewhere else at the concert of security. And we have Gambit's hair is short at top, and then we have a headband, and there's a long ponytail on the back. So it has to be yet another mullet. Mm-hmm. And he's lamenting that he and Storm have grown apart since they joined different X-Men teams. And then at the Grand Hyatt Hotel in Manhattan, Strong Guy, Multiple Man, and Quicksilver are all hanging out watching TV. And uh, I guess it's supposed to be coverage of the concert. And Lobdell is doing his best to kind of emulate uh, Peter David's band tour. Um, I don't think he quite pulls it off. No. Not quite, but it's, it still felt like the same characters, at least. Like, I right. appreciate, oh, this still feels like these three people interacting. Right. Um, I'm, I'm very critical of Scott Lobdell, by the way, if you haven't <laughs> there's one really, there is a part of this issue that I really, really like, but I, I tend to be kind of probably unnecessarily critical of Lobdell at this point, even though he's a, he's a creeper. Um, but, uh, multiple man is doing the conga line with himself and blocking the TV and then Guido bonks him on the head and then Guido takes the TV and goes in the other room and then 
Uh, Quicksilver pretty much just tells Jamie that he's a loser and leaves. Um, let's see. Okay, so back at Harry's hideaway, um, Scott and Jean are having a telepathic argument. <laughs> gas sir, basically. Um. <laughs> no, my fault. She's pretty god. <laughs> and they argue, and Jean's talking about he doesn't. She doesn't want them to grow apart like Storm and Forge did, and. Scott grabs her in a kiss and does his best Depeche mode and says everything he wants is here, right here in his arms. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. The only thing that would have been better is if Gene had then telepathically said words are very unnecessary. Yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was about to make that joke. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is – okay. I, and then uh, we get the panel that uh, Dan and Georgie laughed about on our – private Twitter chat where <laughs> Caliban jumps in through the roof and says, ah, true love. And if you're not saying it in the voice of the Bishop from princess bride, ah, true love, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> he hates true love for some reason. Um, I really like this version of Caliban. I don't like him here. I don't like the way he's written here, but he kind of becomes cable sidekick under the Jeff Loeb era. Uh, so I, I appreciate him at least. And let's see. So back at the concert, um, Lila is introducing Professor X and people start sounding some anti-mutant bigotry and not Cable smacks one of the one of the bigots and tells him to shut up so that Xavier can deliver his own eulogy and <laughs> so back at Salem Center um, um, let's see Colossus and Iceman, they see Caliban smash through, so they all power up. But they get attacked by Famine and War of the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse. And I don't like how Peterson draws War here. I think because, I, and I don't think that's necessarily Peterson's fault, it's just because these looks were designed by Walt Simonson. And mm-hmm. Simonson looks, Simonson designs look great when done by Simonson, but look really weird when done by anybody else. Right. But they fight. Um, so do we, do we want to go into detail the speech that Xavier gives, or do we just want to say it's a really good equality speech? Uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty well written for the most part. Okay. So, all right, I will, I will read it. Um, so Xavier is on stage. He says, freak, flat scan, dead end, gene joke, muty. Words, powerful words meant to distance and to demean, to destroy the havens of self-respect we each carry and nurture within us. Just as surely as they seek to rend the centuries-old tapestry, we as a race have agreed to call civilization. These words carry us away from the light and lead us to marching, no charging, into a darkness where prejudice and bigotry reign. Ugly, hateful words as weapons, and words ultimately fail to achieve their intended purpose. This concert is about embracing our uniqueness, the color of a man's skin, the choice of whom we love. And then he talks about mutant powers. (laughs) Sitting... (laughs) Seeing past our differences, humans and mutants share a common unbreakable bond. No amount of words or derision, distrust, or disinformation can change the truth that each of us, man, woman, black, Hispanic, Jew, Asian, Native American, homosexual, mutant, everyone, underneath all the words, are all related, are all one family. And then we see probably the most accurate representation of how races act when are when confronted with a pretty speech, where they all just start shouting hate speech. And if right. I... If I'd actually read this in 1992, no one could have acted like that after such a good speech. But living <laughs> funny, I'm like, oh, yeah, people suck. 
and <laughs> act when you tell them not to be hateful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's pretty relevant. I, you know, I think also, you know, I've talked with uh, Dan and Georgie before in previous episodes how, how X-Men was a key influence. I mean, more so Claremont, but even this era as well on kind of my worldview. And, um, I, I think 14 year old Jason, it was important to see some of the groups who were included in this speech. Cause I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And maybe not be exactly what people around me are telling me, but I think it's probably true. Um, you know, I think particularly, you know, the part about, you know, sexuality and, you know, and growing up in a Texas suburb outside of Dallas was not a very tolerant place of that. Um, and so, so reading it at a very impressionable age where, where heroes of mine are like, no, we need to recognize that that's just who people are and that we're all part of the same family, I think was very subtle, right? And, and forming kind of some of my ideas and where I maybe deviated from some friends, but it was very important, I think, as well. So, so common books can do good things, guys. Just yeah. throwing that out there. Yeah, being in a suburb of Atlanta and when this came out, uh, same. So, yeah. Well, um, it's pretty words, but it's words of an ally. It's not words of a person who's lived it. Um, right. and True. <clears throat> although I enjoy the speech, it is the the sort of speech that in, in this country um, someone would roll out just to make it seem like they support, like, a community. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, it would have been interesting for me to see the word homosexual in a comic book, even though there was a policy where we weren't allowed to exist. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, but it's a, it's hard, because 2020, man, has made me cynical as balls. So, <laughs> 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 I, like, I like the speech, but it always... Uh, when When it's written like this, it feels more like... An ally has written it, which is nice, right? But it doesn't feel like, <laughs> ironically, Xavier is the most privileged mutant on the planet, <laughs> coming from the most privileged mutant on the planet. I feel, I feel like I believe it more if Storm had said it, or, or, or Kurt, or someone that may have actually suffered something. He's like, right. he can just manipulate everyone's mind. And he lives in a mansion for fuck's sake. Right. Don't forget, at, at this moment. They even reference it in another issue, like the world doesn't know he's a mutant, so he right. kind of is is speaking as an ally. Right. Yeah. Would it would it have been more effective if he had been out as a mutant at the time, like in the Morrison era? Yeah, probably. Because in the Morrison era, he seems more like a a because uh, Morrison has a better grasp. That's un, it's unfair to compare those two writers. Right. There's a better <laughs> grasp of the sense of um, abnormality. Uh, with the Kingdom, whereas in the 90s, um, they lazily bounded, unlike the 80s where they tried, where, for, for all of his words, Claremont tried to make a, 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 a parallel to certain things in uh, the world, um, in the mutant as allegory. In the 90s, it's all the pouches and everything kind of gets in the way of the message. Um, mm-hmm. And so having a speech like this, um, and then having the events happen straight after of people like throwing bricks and stuff, See, it's funny, in 1992, I would have been like, yeah, that's literally how people would react <laughs> if someone said, be nice to other people. Um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I get that. Um, even though I was like nine, I understood that in this country. Because um, uh, uh, obviously, um, God, this is a lot of us. We just had the minor strikes and stuff in the, like, the, the 80s. And, oh, right. Uh, 
watching all of that where people were standing up for their rights and then seeing them all get mar- like mowed down uh, by horses and police and getting incarcerated and anyone who spoke up uh, about AIDS or anything like that was that uh, in this country um section ironically it was the anniversary of section 28 being uh, which was a law passed where um, homosexuality was not allowed to be talked to talked about or taught or even said in a positive manner in this country that was like passed in the 80s thanks to Thatcher silly bitch and um <laughs> All of that, as a child, you you realise that you have to be normal in this country. Step out of line, you will get bottled or stabbed or attacked. So it's kind of bizarrely relevant throughout history in this country. <laughs> the idea of, like, you say pretty words and you just get ripped down. Um, you know, that's really bleak. Right. God. That's burning. That's <laughs> burning. Yeah. You know, accurate. I mean, yeah. I mean... Well, I mean, I, I've I've said, you know, as as much as you know, the the mutant metaphor relates to you know racial equality and gender equality and sexual equality, and I I think it speaks out to anyone who's ever felt like any kind of outsider, like you know, I'm you know, anyone who's grown up liberal in a conservative family or school or city or you know just been you know just not of the the status quo, and so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this, this speech is powerful, but, but yeah, like Dan says, I think it, the fact that Xavier is kind of in the, in the mutant closet does kind of take away from it a bit. Well, on a lighter note, poor Cyclops, <laughs> Xavier talks about all these wonderful mutant gifts and powers. He's like, <laughs> or if you're cursed with optic blast <laughs> he's like by the way scott you suck i'm sorry you have such a terrible power um <laughs> Xavier, he totally hates cyclops if you right we right watch, trying to keep him under his paralyzed foot right all, even in the films watch all the films i watched x-men evolution recently i've been watching some of the nights kind of, he's basically like trolling cyclops every other day he's it's like, oh, Cyclops, go on this mission. It's basically like a suicide mission, and you'll feel really guilty afterwards when one of your teammates die. And I'll do nothing <laughs> about it. So, he's so mean. Also, Cyclops is a super creep using guilt to get to kiss Jean. That's, that's horrible. He is a super creep. Yeah. So, basically, all the men in, in these issues are terrible, is what we're saying, right? Cyclops <laughs> is not Cable. He has the right idea. Just murder everyone. Um, <laughs> But speaking of which, um, not Cable then does shoot Xavier straight in the chest. There's a guy right behind Strife that has pretty – it looks like he stole Gambit's trench coat, the, the mustache <laughs> guy. Yeah. But – and then uh, Scott and Jean get kidnapped by Caliban, and Iceman and Colossus fight Famine and War. And Colossus basically starts rage crying about his brother while beating up war, which has got to be creepy. I mean, if someone's like punching you in the mouth, why say while calling you someone else's name? And <laughs> like, who's Mikhail? I don't know what's going on. And then they, uh, war and famine get teleported away. This uh, is but- kind of the start of Colossus being going through a lot of tough times for about. 15, 20 years. <laughs> I, I, I have questions. I have questions. Mm. Um, I don't understand Caliban's powers, and I never will. Um, so, does he like feed off their emotions that makes him stronger? Because didn't he just locate mutants at one point? He. And that's all. At this point, he he can track mutants 
and because of apocalypse, he's stronger. Later, he becomes, I think, pestilence, and he can like in kind of like do the Omega Red thing to anyone around him that's afraid of him, like where he kind of drains their life force. But as of right now, I think he's just he's just strong and can track other mutants. Right. And about Colossus, is he immortal in his metal form? From because he doesn't need to eat or breathe or anything like this? I'm like, <laughs> I'm very confused. Like, he gets beaten up a lot. Um, so. right. He can't get germs. Yep. No. I'm just confused because I'm pretty sure I read these issues one point in my life. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Colossus just hits people, but now he doesn't need to eat. Okay. <laughs> well, I remember the only thing that can kill Colossus is the heat death of the universe. Then that's the only way. <laughs> He'd still be alive afterwards. Yeah, yeah. He'd just be him alone in the universe, crying. Cry. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but you know, in, in the current X Force series, you know, just souped up humans can almost rip his legs off so hey you know who knows um we don't talk about that book here well maybe on your show <laughs> we do but not I in my, my I don't, i've tried to like it so many times and i can't get past issue two i <laughs> can't oh god but back at the concert uh archangel turns off his image inducer pl- pops his wings out and shouts cable's logo at him <laughs> I really like this this image. This is my favorite image of this this issue. Is, okay. is uh, it's pretty nice. Businessman Archangel. Like For sure. <laughs> and so Cable shoots Archangel in the wing and just damages his wing. Which when you when I first thought about it, like that doesn't make any sense. But then when we learn what we know about Strife later, where he was raised by Apocalypse, and it makes sense that he would have the technology that might do damage to the wings. That does make a little more sense. Um, so Lila goes in and tries to comfort Charles and Strife teleports away. Now, the last scene, we go to New Mexico at the Camp Verde, uh, reservation where X-Force is hanging out. And here's where we learn that Scott Lobdell knows nothing about Cannonball or how about Southern dialects work because Cannonball apparently has forgotten that he's dating Boom Boom, who is kneeling on, who is squatting down, staring forlornly into the fire, while Cannonball just cannot wait to see a brief image of Lila Cheney, while saying, I'm just so eager to see Lila's face again, like he's Lindsey Graham or something. (laughs) And then they get their little monitor thing working, and that's when they all learn with shot. Apparently, Cable has shot Professor Xavier. The end of the issue. Also, can we say how offensive domino masks are? They are ugly. They are yeah. ugly domino masks. The sunspot and the water. Yeah, that, that, that is not a good look. And apparently Siren forgot to zip her costume up all the way for some reason. But, yeah. What? On the, the panel. Where... Oh! <laughs> yeah, okay. I gotcha. Yep. It's, right. it's 90s cleavage. Yeah. yeah. Cleavage. Okay. Yep, all the way down to the belly button. <laughs> so you put some pasties in there, you're fine. You don't have to worry about it. Yep, just hold that stuff in place somehow. Spirit gun. So when just she does her sonnet scream, they spin. <laughs> and and Georgie started that. <laughs> I can what? What? <laughs> um... Jason, do you know how? This is odd for me to say because you're married with kids. Do you know how boobs work? 
<laughs> Never heard of him. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> we can read Dividend's Boobinier's song. There you go. Alright. <laughs> so, any other thoughts on the issue? Uh, the only thing we skipped over that I wanted to maybe mention is um, at the very beginning, when, um, first of all, the face that um, Charlotte, is that her name? Uh, makes when Warren forcibly kisses her is interesting. But then also that limo driver is like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's got the creepiest, like, side eye. I'm going to turn the cameras on. Um, He's going to blackmail Warren later with sex tape. Yeah, that's right. No, I mean, I, I think I enjoyed it overall. I had quite a bit. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, yeah. So... You guys want to use Jason's claw ratings on this? Why not? Okay. Uh, should we do? Uh, should we do, uh, should we do no, patches, right? We should do patches. Come on. Okay, four pouches. Pouch. Okay, four okay. Pouches, yeah. right, I'm going to give this one four pouches. Then I, I don't like the art, but I like what they were trying to do with early '90s limitations um, with Xavier's message, um, and I don't know. It's just, it's silly enough for it to be fun without being exactly good. Okay. So, uh, I'm sorry, out of how many pouches are we going? Uh, let's do, let's use, let's use your rating and go out of six. Okay. Um, I thought it was a pretty good preamble. I, I think the art is the weak spot. But there's lots of just kind of classic X-Men downtime scenes kind of interspersed between the action, which I really enjoyed. Um, I'm actually going to surprise everyone. I'll go five out of six pouches. Oh. And from the other side of the room. (laughs) What do you think, Dan? Um, um, So, like, I feel like six pouches isn't enough. It's not 90s enough. So that's the range of, like, 10,000 pouches. 36 pouches. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, um, I'm actually going to give it three. Like, it's very middle of the road. Um, right. as a setup issue has some interesting ideas but it's too busy touching base with every sort of non-player because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's it feels very much like it, we've just walked into the melodrama of the last issues and we're catching up on all of that melodrama um, true in the in the collection I'm reading there's two pages of previously in X-Men before, <laughs> before starting and um I, I was quite surprised because none of that matters when you actually read it. I think um, mm. if, if I gave it to if I gave it to say Ian, who's never read a '90s X Men comic in, in his life, he'd only understand that Xavier is shot, and the rest is sort of like non <laughs> non just there. Um, One can argue that's all you need. <laughs> but as an, opening, as an opening salvo, it's not offensive. I actually don't mind the art. Um, I prefer. Uh, Peterson when he did um, his Ultimate Vision um, mm-hmm. yeah. when he was experimenting with like digital colouring but um, at the moment it's not offensive like yeah it's we fine there are certain panels we have yet to go- come across the fact that um, the colour work in the Kubra episodes um, basically makes Wolfsbane look like she's blended into the background but um, or into herself but um, on the whole I think the line works okay the colour work's probably the best part inking's way 90s so it's a bit too much in places right but yeah 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 a lot of inking 
I, I, I'll also go with a three. I thought it was fine. Uh, you guys kind of talked a lot about what, what I might say. We are jumping back and forth a lot here. Um, it's, I don't know. I w- wasn't particularly inspired by any of it. Uh, and I, <laughs> I really want to see those two like previously on pages. If those are like the graphic pages from the current X-Men books <laughs> of just like all of text. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, this is fine. The artwork was all right. Uh, but three out of six, if, if I was reading the event in the nineties at that age, I might be cool with it. But now I'm just like, nah, it's, if, if I read this issue, I don't know if I would necessarily continue to read this series unless we were doing the the uh, uh, the podcast here. It, it just didn't really grab me. It was just fine. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So who's doing the next one? Am I doing all of them? Uh, I don't <laughs> think so. I'm doing number five. I remember that. There was an order. Do you guys remember the order? I think Dan was number two, but if he's not prepared, I can I, I can we, jump in. I think we saved the X Factor issues for for the X Calibros. All right then, fine. Let's go. Fine, damn it. So, um, yes, part two of X Executioner, Executioner, whatever it is, Swan Song, Song of All Ages, longest since Dawn of X. Um. <laughs> So, part two is written by Peter David, penciled by Jay Lee, which doesn't look like... That surprised me, because I forgot that he evolved his art style. Um, um, inked by Al Mulgum, coloured by Brad... It doesn't even say his words. Van Keter, because it's blurred on mine. So, that's great. Um, um, the cover is by... Who is Strowman. Yes, it's Strowman. I've totally lost where I am. And on the cover, we have um, Strong strong Guy and Will Spain taking out... Oh, and have a... Oh, well, I should just say X-Factor, because I'll hold Because I'd, I'd literally missed um, Polaris in between Chastar's uh, thighs. Um, all of X-Factor versus a few members of new, the... Um, I know it's a new mutant, X-Fox, and it is okay. I I love any any Strowman uh, Strong Guy we can get. So I, I love that, that piece. It is pretty good. Fighty, fighty fight cover. <laughs> yes. All right, Dan. Let's 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 uh, let's yes. get on with it. Well, X Force, looking like they're about to drop their new album, um, has decided to uh, talk about all the events. Um, sounds like no, better you're weak. You can't join us, but we're gonna go and do stuff anyway. Um, and it's best that we get involved because everyone's gonna come after us. And then moving on to well, Xavier, with some massive nipples um, on, on, on a gurney, because he's in shot of You know, everyone's all upset. This is the moment that um, we talked about, what Georgie mentioned, that no one knows he's a mutant, and uh, Rain probably could have just, like, backed off a little bit more, because I feel like if you're going to, like, shout at some orderlies, definitely don't do it on the people that you're trying to save your friend's life. Yes, she's dragged away. I'm going to go through this really quickly, because I actually don't like this issue. So... Good luck for you guys. Um, we have... So after a quick costume change, Storm and a werewolf looking like Bishop, because the hair on that guy's arms is... <laughs> <laughs> um, like, generally, wow. Um, they're all just like... And what is wrong with... Does, does anyone else feel like Storm's been, like, de-aged a little bit between issues? 
you see that our bishop's just really, really tall. But, um, yes. Because she looks yeah. quite, quite childlike in the face. <laughs> yes. Um, everyone just discusses what they should do now, and apparently they should just wait, which essentially is what this issue is about. Um, um, then we have an interlude to um, current X Factor stuff that we haven't, we Excaliburs haven't got up to yet. Like, why is why is Polaris wearing a, a dentist thing around her face? Yeah. Why is she got her job broke? Yeah. And then um, my favourite panel is this weird strong guy as he comes in um, with his main uh, girlfriend at the time because it just looks like the Hulk but you know that bit where he just in is it Endgame where he smashes through the door and knocks yes yeah, that's all it reminds me of I am he's not doing paint all over the ceiling while he's at it yeah <laughs> but um, everyone's kind of surprised that he could have a girlfriend um, I wonder why that is but there is a lot of like massive. Everyone's so big, like <laughs> like there's like really tiny. I, I've not really like I've just I'm literally I have read this. Trust me, I have read this this morning. But I was just looking at it going. I flicked through this art clearly because there's some panels where people look way smaller than they should be. Um, and then we have Archangel um, also looking like he's about to drop an album, screaming at the sky, <laughs> um, which will be his album title, I imagine. And Right. It's all very melancholy. Will Spain and Strong Guy have been tasked to go to the scene of the crime to investigate. A transport ship, which is X-Shield, turns up. Strong Guy's like, we have to hide because, you know, I've got super strength and you're a werewolf, but, you know, we need to hide from this random ship just in case. And then um, the other Will Spain um, comes out <laughs> of Shatterstar. Um, Shatterstar is... Yes, campaign for sure. Shatterstar Shatt, is totally rocking this um, cape as he looks around the place, and um, that's when Strong Guy radios in that they're all here, and they go and Wolfsbane can't help herself and um, confronts confronts them. Her tail coming out of her asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> and um, which is distracting me from the rest of the panel. I'm just going to cover that up. Um, and she kisses Richter because Richter has the greatest hair of any man ever. Yeah. In this yeah, yeah, it's just does. a pain. And um, then Strong Guy's she's, like... She's in love with Havoc, but as soon as she sees Richter's hair, it's uh, right. she's forgotten all about Havoc. Over. So much for that yeah. religion. So <laughs> much for that religion she's got. Um, but anyway, yeah. So out of the smoke come some other figures. And that's when Strong Guy's like, you guys are under arrest because... Um, Basically, you know Cable, so logic dictates you must be all guilty of the same crime. And then um, a really interesting sinister panel of Shatterstar is like, nope, basically. And they start having a little bit of fight. And Shatterstar just goes in for the kill, literally, mm-hmm. uh, by slicing him up. And then we find out that, you know, that sword or Shatterstar or whatever must be really good because no one else can hurt him like that. And as they, um, <laughs> Shatterstar's about to kill him. Bit, bit intense. Um, Quicksilver saves the day and then starts being a dickhead, like usual. Um, saying that, you know, you can't fight someone at super speed because I'm super speed and I'm amazing, but I'll always get hit in the face. <laughs> the only problem. And then um, Will Spain and, um, and the other one, Feral, uh, decide to just eat each other. And, um... <laughs> the other one is the best, best way to describe. No, not that, not that Wolf Spain, the other Wolf Spain. And um, one of the gray hairs, yeah. They, they got attracted to the werewolf convention. Yeah. <laughs> Call back to Jason's show. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Havoc and Polaris um, turn up. Polaris is so super comfortable with... Um, she's so... On this panel, like, have you can imagine in real life, there's a guy behind her while she's posing for a model shoot, screaming on fire, essentially, behind her. Like, she literally looks like she's from a different comic book world. Um, and they turn up and they, they continue their little brawl until Boom Boom does a one, two, and three for a little bit of distraction, but then gets mad drops on her. And essentially, Sam does what he does best in this entire event, which I think Georgie mentioned. Uh, which is, he's like, oh, we can't do this, let's run away. Um, and like, <laughs> they all get away, um, Havoc's a bit pissed off, but then Wolverine, without a face, just a shadow and teeth, and the rest of the, oh, yeah. rest of the turn up. And um, they're all like, we'll help you. And then somewhere else, Sinister is plotting, because he's not, his horseman, well, Apocalypse horseman turn up with Gene and Scott, and he's like, yes, that's that's me, I'm totally Apocalypse. And then he's like, <laughs> yes, I am totally Sinister. And then moving on from all of that, we have um, in a back to tank, uh, Xavier, while the rest of them like, oh, he's totally got a virus, he's going to die. The end. Yeah, um, he's got, he got shot with a techno virus gun. Oh, <laughs> but I apologise for that lukewarm um, going through. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not my favourite thing that happened. I don't remember if it's this issue or another where they fight, but Cheddar Star's like, stop using your powers and stand there and let me kill you like a man. Stop fighting me. It's like, you have no honor unless you just stand there and let me slice you. That's everything to a <laughs> How dare you fight back? Be honorable and, and take it. It's such a, an odd thing to say. Yeah, I think that's when he's fighting Quicksilver. Yeah. Uh, yep. I well, love that... the art so much. I do too. I know it's nineties as fudge, but I don't know. And this early Jay Lee where he starts going crazy, yeah. this is really his first time. Cause even the X Factor annual that came out right before this, it was toned down to this. Yeah. He was still a little more house style. Mm-hmm. You can start seeing some flashes of what he was going to do. And, and Jay Lee's such an interesting artist to me because he takes so many evolutions in his career. Um, but this early 90s that he also carries over to Image, there's just something about it. I, I know I'm not the sensible like critic of me shouldn't like it, but I do. <laughs> there, there are panels that are god-awful ugly. Yeah. There are panels that are just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, like just that opening shot. I love how Warpath looks in that opening yeah. page. With this, with this porcupine hair, which makes right. no sense. It's like everything that Jay Lee does is a fever dream through the lens of Venom. <laughs> right. But in a good way. Though yeah. Warpath there, looking at his arm and his stature, mm-hmm. like, okay, that's where the design from Prophet came from. Right. And so, you know, well, I felt again aping something and calling it his own. Um but I love, like, Wolfsbane and Feral have the same ears, but I love their ears. Um, Jay Lee did this thing at the time where, if you, I, it's page four in the physical copy where you see where Bishop is, still has his tight tank top, but he's trading his camo for jeans. Mm-hmm. But he has that thing, that, that 90s Jay Lee arm where there's body hair on the forearm and then a glove that has a perfect square. Yep. Like, like, if you ever read, like, Young Blood Strike File or the stuff he did when he first went to Image, 
where he's been drawing a chapel. Mm-hmm. Like you see so many shadows of this chapel in this issue. Um, from Wolverine's shadow face that you talked about, Dan, which by the way also looks like, um, a carryover from Wolverine's doppelganger in Infinity War, <laughs> where he had like a, a dark claw type cow in a black face. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. And the colors, I don't know, I haven't looked at the digital copy, so I don't know how much they got updated, but the colors in the physical copy are, again, 90s is all get out, but there's just something about it that works. Like the greens and the pinks and the purples, um, I don't know. It's super um, it, stylized, but I enjoy it. In the in the digital, what I'm reading right now, the colors are very muted, very matte, um, and my my trouble with it is that it's a Georgie issue. Uh, the backgrounds are just a color. And, yeah. um, <laughs> um, I love that and, this has become a me thing, even though you were the first one to bring this up, Dan. <laughs> it's you thing, Dan. I, I love Apocalypse, remember? Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> apparently. Um, but uh, if they were as vibrant as you say in the, in the physical copy, it probably would have worked. But because they're quite muted on my um, iPad that I'm uh, reading it on, they don't really pop. And like the, because there's a lot of white use of white shadowing as opposed to dark shadowing, and um, that white shadowing kind of just sort of mutes it even more. So there's no like where it feels like it should pop. There's a there's a specific panel um, where, where the background's pink and um, it's got black splatter all over, and it's Wolf Wolfsbane's hair is just going crazy. That feels like it should like jump off the page, but it just doesn't. And I think my problem isn't. Per se, the art. It's just there's some there's it gets some of the stuff just gets lost in translation. Um, when it when 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 he's doing his action panels and I do like the leaning into horror. It reminds me of um is it Moench the the Batman like the really gothic um Batman. Oh, Kelly Jones. Yeah. Yes. Um, and some of those those panels like remind me, but I don't know. I feel like when Shatterstar turns up, he's a Terminator because he's like white eyes, everything's dark. Um, and like, artistically, it is way more interesting than the last, the last um, comic and I, 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 the last part. And I feel like if if taken in its own sort of stance, it would make it would. It's a very much a, a great evolution for the visual um, identity of X, um, X Factor as a book. But for this event, it doesn't feel like it meshes with the rest. So when we do get these issues they feel like we just traveled into a different dimension it doesn't his style is amazing but it doesn't fit the story like it his work on namor around this time fit the story more because it dealt with namor fighting like an evil sorcerer and that was really cool but i don't know i mean it, it's it's jarring but it's jarring the way like like the panel that you were talking about where it's got the pink background and Wolf Spain has gone full werewolf, and she's shouting, "Read this!" At the orderlies, the or the way the orderlies look remind me of Stephen Bissett, the guy who did the art on Swamp Thing around the time that Alan Moore took over. It's like their eyebrows and their their eyes sunken in their head, and their just teeth that are gigantic for no reason. And then the panel above that, where the ceiling and the walls of the hospital do like this nightmare logic curve. There's just, <laughs> I mean. It, it doesn't fit the story, but in and of itself, it's so much fun to look at. Yeah, I mean, the overall event, this one, this book is is it's got the art that, that stands out. And I think it was the most interesting thing mm-hmm. uh, to read were these X Factor books, uh, just because it's so stylized and interesting. And um, 
just wild. I mean, the, the artwork is is crazy, and as Dan mentioned, it's a nice evolution of of what Strowman was doing with the book. Um, I, I I think the the crazy art really works well with how David is writing this book because he's like, let me turn this all the way up and have everyone right. screaming and everyone like going full life as much as possible so I can <laughs> show you how ridiculous all of this is right now. And I think the over-the-top artwork really works with the tone of how everyone is, is, is speaking during this book. Right. Yeah. I agree. I don't – I've never understood – why it needed to be that Stripe shot Xavier with a technovirus. I mean, I, I get because it's Stripe related and apocalypse related and all that, but if his, if Stripe's goal, which we'll find <laughs> is basically just to create chaos, why not just shoot the thing with a bullet? I, I don't know. And then yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, I, I get why editorially you can't kill Xavier or whatever, but it just, it's, that this is the part where you can tell this story is kind of written like round robin style. It's like Lobdell did some, then David did some, then Asiata did two bits afterwards, and there wasn't a lot of coordination in the story. And I, I think the issues that Asiata does kind of pulls it together a little better narratively. And I'm probably biased because I'm a big fan of Asiata, but that that always bothered me that there just isn't a narrative why it should be a techno-organic virus that he gets shot with. Wasn't, weren't, wasn't Cable, like, didn't he have a techno-organic virus? And that's why he was sent into the future. Yeah. So I, I just feel like it's just yeah, you know, that sort of payback. And make, like, you can feel my pain sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that, that does make sense. It's, yep. it's interesting because if they killed Xavier and, and was bold... Um, with that choice and have the story be about his, his quote unquote children struggling and struggling to find the culprit. It would be more of a emotionally charged story. However, they're so busy um, being nineties about the whole thing that um, they couldn't, they, there's no real, <laughs> there's no real like, in, like reason to go on. It's like, he's been shot. Well, he's been shot. He's been like injured a million times. This right. could be done in two, two issues. Why do we have to beat up children to um move <laughs> not children, Dan, they're soldiers, like Wolverine will tell us. <laughs> no, yeah. So we can stop them, yes. Uh, <laughs> by murdering them, yes. This Wolverine, I don't know how you feel, Jason. He's stabby. He's stabby, stabby, stabby. Like, really, no, like, I'm it's, it's 1992. It's, we're getting to the, some of the unbearable parts of his uh, career. Um, Stabby, do you um, do you think Don of X took uh, uh, not Don of Sword, Sword of X uh, took, a, took a sort of leaf out of this book because he is super stabby in that as well? Like, yes. Well, I think um, I don't actually have been enjoying Percy's work for the most part, but he, he very much draws from early to mid nineties Wolverine. So, y'all want to rate this? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. I'm just going to coast on free the whole time round. Um, free, free pouches, free, free, free young teenagers being murdered. Um, <laughs> by, uh, I think it's kind of it, interestingly for me, instantly loses its steam once they go find trying to find the cable. <laughs> 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 but yeah, um, free. 
I'm, I'm actually going to go five on this one, which I feel is ironic for me because I was always the person who rejected the idea of a quality of a book just based on the artwork. But just based on the artwork, I, this one deserves a five for me. Uh, same. Me, me, Team Grant for me on that one. I'll go up to a four uh, because I think the artwork is way more interesting to look at. And I just – I enjoy David sort of taking the piss out of, yeah, out of everything yeah. here. Everybody's so aggro. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. All right. Well, you all want to move on to X-Men number 14? Yeah. I know George and I will disagree because we have very different stances on Andy Kubert. Um, so this is uh, Fingers on the Trigger, an X siding welcome aboard to Andy Kubert as a regular penciler on the adjectiveless X-Men book uh, written by Fabian Nicieza, inks by Mark Pennington. Letters by Lois Buhalis, maybe. Uh, colors by Marie Javins, Havins. I'm not sure what her ethnicity is. I don't know how to say her name. Um, but then, uh, our cover is by Kubert and Pennington. And to me, this is like, this is not a comic book cover. This is a cover to the game cartridge of Blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Of like an arcade game. It looks so video gamey, but it's still kind of great. What do you guys think of the cover? Basically, it's Apocalypse there and is, our blue team running an action. There is like a Super Nintendo game where they fight Apocalypse or whatever. It feels very much like like straight out of that game. <laughs> right. Yeah, it reminds me of what were the uh, Executioner song, Ultimate Alliance. <laughs> Right. If I had to pick like like a cover that was X Men like early nineties X Men, this would be like this is the style of the characters. This is it just feels so appropriate to nineteen ninety two. Yeah, it looks like Pennington is aping Texera's uh, inking style a bit on Wolverine's face. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Yeah, on that, it's pretty. It's it's okay cover. I I like Kubert for the most part. Sometimes his faces look a little flat. Right. Like on Rogue, it looks like she's tucking her neck in. Um, yeah, but other, I, I think it's pretty good. Um, this is the cover I um, equate with this event because it's the cover on every single trade um, for for the event. Um, and it just annoys me that Salak's got like in my my version, Salak's got like a red blade on Orange Plane, <laughs> and I'm just like, mm, it ruins uh, my yeah, life. it is. You're right. It's wrong. It's miscolored. It also looks like Gambit is throwing uh, Cyclops Optic Blast. (laughs) (laughs) Throw it harder than you can. (laughs) All right. Well, um, so basically in this one, uh, Beast and Moira have Xavier stabilizes the mansion, but they can't slow the spread of the techno organic virus. Uh, The X-Men and X-Factor split into groups. Uh, Beast and Quicksilver will join the gold team to search for Apocalypse and hopefully rescue Scott and Jean. The blue team will search for X-Force and Cable, hoping to find a cure. Bishop will stay to guard Xavier and X-Factor. Initially, it looks like they have like a TBD task, but then we find out they actually go with the uh, blue team. Um, meanwhile, Sinister tr- uh, tracks Scott and Jean to the uh, the – wait, sorry. Meanwhile, Sinister trades, I can't read my own handwriting here, uh, trades Scott and Jane to the MILFs for some genetic material. Uh, X-Force crash lands in Texas, 
In Egypt, the Dark Riders wake up a grumpy apocalypse from his nap early. Um, oh, and X-Factors with the blue team en route to Texas. Wolfsbane and Gambit argue over team methods. Uh, also, Gambit and Wolverine smoke a whole lot in 1992. Like, they are chain smokers to the, the hilt. Um, they also have similar cynical voices, I discovered. Fabian writes Wolverine and Gambit very, very close to each other. Um, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Cable returns home to find out that he shot Xavier, which is very much a surprise to him. Um, and then back at the mansion, uh, Bishop uh, discovers Sinister came to pay Xavier a visit, but he wasn't bringing flowers. Back in Texas, Wolverine discovers X-Force smell different when they're being sneaky. And then uh, X-Force pops up out of the dirt. They don't want to fight, but they have one on speed dial if they need it. Wow. That yep. was so much more put together than my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Be prepared, Dan. That's Be right. Prepared. I'm a mess. That's why I'm a professional <laughs> podcaster who podcasts in a diaper, just like Dan. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so Cyclops and Jean are Sinister's Pokemon. Because did you just pull him out of his belt? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that was weird. That's weird to me. You shrunk them down. Cyclops, I choose you. <laughs> Optic blast. <laughs> yeah, instead of speaking, he just says like zapped. And that's uh, that's his word. What does Gene say? Wolverine. Um... <laughs> oh, I think my. she just says Scott over and over again. <laughs> Gene. So, um, can I just say that uh, Kubrat's um, Beast is the best visual thing I've seen all day. Um, I love him in a lab coat. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And, I um, love his uh, his MLF guys and and hiking socks. Oh, those, those are adventure shorts. Uh, <laughs> yes, they are. And I don't know why Reaper has a robot leg. I I, oh. I, I get why he has a robot arm. I did. Did he get his leg cut off at some point? Possibly. I, I know Reaper's the he's the he gets the short end of every blade, claw, knife, and gun in yeah. X Force. So he's always losing appendages. Um, I remembered why I forgot about characters like Reaper because like they're pointless. Um, <laughs> it's my Domino's at, kid brother. I, yeah. I looked at the all of Apocalypse's. Riders, and I'm like, I have no idea who you are. (laughs) (laughs) You could literally walk up to me in the street, and I'd just feel like you're just a normal dude, even though one of them is a giant monster. Um, I hate the team shot, may I say. That's why I really hate the team shot. I think the colour work is horrible for the most part in this book, because it's really muted, and on top of that, it blends like the colour, like, literally Wolfman looks like she's coming out of the sofa. Or whatever that weird thing that no one's sitting on is is um is is behind them all. Um, I'm just not a big fan of the colours, though I do like the the pencils, and the inking isn't aggressive, so I I, I applaud that. I think yeah. Strong Guy looks really weird in the team shot. Yeah, I like his proportions are off. He looks too proportionate. He doesn't look yes, <laughs> right. Oh. He was like, hey, let me fix this. But the editors forgot to tell him you're not supposed to fix Strong Guy. 
Yeah, I, I agree with Dan. I think the colors bring Kubert's artwork down a lot in this. I like his work in general. I like it better in a few years when he does the art on Wade's Captain America. But I, I think a, a good inker brings Kubert's work either way up or way down. And these colors are very, very muted. I, I That's one of my big issues with 90s uh, Marvel art is the, the muted color palette. Right. Um. And I think it's funny that Bishop apparently stole one of those chest harnesses off of the Acolyte. <laughs> yeah. Um, the peck belt. Right. Uh-huh. And I, I think uh, in that Bishop's plan for guarding the man is just stand around with two guns and point them in the other. Who goes there? Anyone else has noticed there's a trend of like this obsession with, instead of like... Um, Grading the color to represent light. Um, it's just putting white on the character. Oh, there's, there's a light there that will just put a white over their arm to represent color, like light. Right. And it's just happening, it's happening immensely through this um, issue. Yeah. Like Wolverine, I don't know what's backlighting Wolverine while he's um, stood there all sultry lighting a cigarette, but he is. <laughs> um, that's why so many people couldn't tell if Storm's costume was supposed to be like shiny black leather with a lot of light on it or if it's just to be light. White with shadows <laughs> because right. of the like, 90s coloring. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the coloring does a huge disservice to this book. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Kubert. I think I have nostalgia for how all these characters look, just for you know him being all over X Men in the 90s. But um, Grant, you hit the nail on the head. Where like uh, the big problem I have with Kubert is, especially the women, they all have like very little details on the face. Mm-hmm. You ever? You guys ever watch Zodiac, the movie? Yeah. Yeah. There's a scene where they talk about, you know, uh, this couple was on Lover's Lane, and uh, the man survived, but the woman didn't. Um, and it's like the, the, the killer f- forgot to, like, finish off the man and just, like, kept stabbing the woman because that's what his focus was on. With Kubert, it's the opposite. He's just put so much detail in all the male characters. But the women, <laughs> he's just like, boobs, legs, uh, two slits for eyes. I'm done with that character. I'm going to move on because Wolverine needs some more hashing going here. Right. It, uh, it, I yeah, just because, was, that's because girls don't have cool facial stubble. Wolfsbane <laughs> yeah. well, does, but... Yeah, he was Will Spain, like a drunken child. Um, (laughs) I I also don't like the fact that, like, especially on, say, page 14 of the digital copy where they're on the Blackbird and Will Spain's standing up and he kind of gives her a shoulder padded version of Psylocke's costume where it's just a tiny little strip of cloth that covers her crotch. Right. And I I believe he means it covers her wolf's crotch. Right. I think that's what you meant to say. Right. I do like that shot of Wolverine standing there lighting up the cigarette, though, on page... Yeah, yes, no, yeah. He is literally, he is, you can pay for his services. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to have to change to the podcast that goes, fishish. I'm biased, but I like his two pages of Cable on Grey Mountain. I I like Hubert's Cable, yeah. Yeah. I think it looks pretty good. Um, I like that he is not only body sliding, but he's time sliding. So he's coming in from another era. And I kind of like that outfit he's wearing. Grant, is that is that a normal thing where, like, the time sliding, like, zaps his energy? I don't think so. 
Oh, okay. All right. I think it's this time he came out of the microwave also. So, right. <laughs> so give him immense pleasure because that bottom panel is an orgasm. Um, that's true. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. But yeah, you can tell by the eyes. Um. <laughs> Maybe oh, we're bored with the event already. Um, no. <laughs> Wait, so is he orgasming every time his left eye lights up like that? Is that yes. like the signal? Is that how you know? That's exactly what he's doing. Right. And the scar, the scar gets a little brighter, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the scar lights up. Um, yeah. I do like that he draws Jubilee proportionate to her age. I do, too. That's yeah. pretty cool. That, that's a good effect. Because usually it's just adult proportioned girl drawn smaller. And I like that he actually draws her as a kid. That's yeah. pretty cool. Um, uh, we're full '90s comics guns by this point, aren't we? Oh, because yeah. yeah. these guns that Bishops has, and they're like those are Nerf guns. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I think I have those. Yeah, um. <laughs> <laughs> those are Nerf rapid shots. Yeah. Yep. All right. What did you guys? Uh, how do you want to rate this one? Mm. I'm going to go three on this one. Um, oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. I think not a whole lot actually happens. There's a ton of fighty fight. And even though I like Kubrick in general, I don't like um, how the finishing process made his artwork come out. So there's a reason none of us actually mentioned anything about the narrative. Um, right. <laughs> and- that's the reason I'm giving it two pouches out of um, six, because it it should they extend the concept of splitting into teams, which is like four pages long, into an entire issue. Um, and nothing actually happens until right at the end where it's like edging, but not actually coming is essentially this issue. Um, and <laughs> I don't know anything, by the way. Appropriate. Very appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't have any, um, pacing, like genuine sense of urgency or agency to anything that's happening. It's just, oh, we'll just fly here, fly there, look at things, the end. I believe that, uh, panel of, of Wolverine smoking, uh, that Wolverine is very good at edging. (laughs) (laughs) Well, his claws are razor sharp. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Right on the edge. <laughs> Razor's edge. Yeah, I, I'm going to give this one a two out of out of six thousand pouches. It um, <laughs> it's 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 uh, as you all kind of mentioned, the artwork is uh, really diminished uh, via the coloring and the, the story. We're just kind of sitting around. I mean, we just sort of goofed on the issue because there was nothing to talk about story wise. So uh, yeah, two out of six for me. Okay, well, I, I apparently had the most fun with this one. I thought there were some good personal moments. I I don't disagree with anything you say. Like, all, I think all you guys are right. The plot kind of hits pause and almost has like a commercial for execution. Ex, sorry, executioner song. Um, <laughs> but I still enjoyed it. So I'm going to stay at my five five pouches. What? Five? I, I had a lot of fun. I I enjoyed it. Okay. It's fair enough. (laughs) On to part four? On to part four, yeah. All right. Uh, I'll do this one because it's X-Force. 
Um, so this is by written by Fabian Nicieza, uh, penciled by Greg Capullo, inked by Harry Candelario, lettered by Chris Leavellis, colored by Joe Rosas. This is X Force number sixteen, by the way. The cover's a big fight. Um, I let so there's nothing super spectacular about it, but I like the matchings. I like how I like the pairings up of the fights. Yeah, like the like Cannonball, who's the de facto leader of X Force without Cable, was fighting Havoc. Um, multiple man who had a romantic relationship with Siren is fighting her. The two big strong people are fighting. The two blade people are fighting. Uh, Wolf Spain is fighting Richter who has a romantic thing. And then just Gambit and Feral just cause, um, and I, I like the fact that Rogue looks like she's literally about to rip Boom Boom's head off. <laughs> she right. is. But, uh, so we have the the X Force people have squared off with the rest of the X people and they fight. Uh, it's a pretty good looking fight. Uh, let's see. Going forward, uh, uh, Wolf Spain takes out Richter. Rogue takes out Boom Boom. Strong Guy takes out Warpath, which I call shenanigans on. And Wolverine takes out uh, Shatterstar. Everybody else. Shout. Yeah. He shucks him. I guess that's him pulling in his claws at the last second. No, no, you you, know, you see the claws coming through Shatterstar's body, but not his shirt, which is interesting. Um, this magical healing shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you, Comics Code. Right. <laughs> Everybody else runs away, and there's a cool scene of Wolverine in shadow with his claws extended, which looks very kind of Frank Millery. That's pretty yeah. Um, there's a really cool shot on page eight as uh, the other X team lands at a warehouse in Chesapeake Bay. And it's Beast, Archangel, Quicksilver, Ro- uh, Storm, Iceman, and Colossus. And if I did not know better, I would think that that was uh, Andy Kubert doing that page. Yeah. Especially. Is the one where Beast is surfing Colossus's punch? Uh, no, it's right. Oh. It's- it's the panel where the blackbird lands, and it's all been. Oh, okay, gotcha. Right. <laughs> it's punch. He is. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and they go into the warehouse and they get attacked by Famine, who just drains. Looks like she kills the beast, but uh, apparently not. And uh, they all fight the horsemen for a bit. And apparently Quicksilver is also immune to Feynman's power because he has a super fast metabolism. You think it would just be the opposite. But then they get a hologram of Sinister saying, ha ha, it wasn't really Apocalypse. It was me. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> but he hints that Apocalypse, this, this whole shenanigan is Apocalypse's fault in a roundabout way. Um, the real Sinister has broken into the mansion and has grabbed Valerie Cooper and, uh, Dance Lady. What's her name? Uh, Stevie. Right. Stevie by the, by the neck. And Bishop shoots him in the face while shouting double tap. Which is, <laughs> yep. <laughs> which is really fun. But there's a, uh, from that we get the awesome scene of, uh, Claymation. Sinister with a hole in his head, which is pretty, pretty neat looking. And then we go to Cable's Swiss Chalet, which we get the most bonkers panel in the entire thing, where he has put on nine guns and literally all the pouches. Hi, John. 
Um, <laughs> and he says, too much happening too quickly. Only one person can be responsible for it. It's time to take him down once and for all, man to man, and literally face to face. And if this was a 90s movie, this would be the 45-second montage of him getting all his guns together while the song gets connected by the band face to face in the background, just like in Paint Girl. This page really is like, this is everything the cable's about. Yeah, I, 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 I call I, this maximum cable. Yeah, sure. This cable ramped up to like a bajillion because Nisieza realizes how ridiculous everything has been so far. Right. And, and Cable has, like, really strong mutant powers that he's like, no, I will never use my mutant powers, because <laughs> why would I do that when I have 800 guns? Right. <sighs> but anyway. I, I'm going to lead a team of mutants so they learn how to use their powers and fight as a team, but I will never show you how to use your mutant powers, because that is antithetical <laughs> to my purpose. I don't understand that. Like, well, the, he can't the, use the, like, powers. Sinister is like we're gonna we're gonna combine the DNA of Scott and Gene and gonna make this alternate mutant and and then we're never gonna show what he can do because shoot shoot bang bang I don't understand the concept of Cable that way why would you it's like uh, there's no payoff to the concept well it stems from the fact that when they when Liefeld and Louise Simonson came up with the idea for Cable they didn't initially plan to make him a mutant and they came up with that idea later and so they had to justify why he never uses powers and he only uses guns okay he uses his powers his organic virus goes bonkers and kills him so anyway um so forearm drags Scott and Jean by the hair <laughs> that's got a plain white room and they wake up and there's strife and he looks pretty neat. And this is where we learn that Scott and Gene were never cut out to be detectives because Strife literally calls them mother and father and they still have no idea what he's doing. <laughs> it's so weird that he calls all the dudes and ladies mother and father. I don't get it. He can also dress them in their uniforms, which is creepy and gross. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember Strife having like giant nipples on his costume, but he <laughs> I feel like he can shoot acid or milk out of them. I don't know what's going on. He, he's like the fembots from uh from yeah. Austin Powers. Well, you know, it, it's very much like the early Iron Man armor from the comics where he has like just a random bolt that just happened to be where the nipples are. Um it's 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 an odd choice. It's an odd aesthetic. And the reason we never see Strife's feet is because he has roller skates, just like early on. <laughs> I wish. I wish that was, that was 92, so it would be roller blades. Um, so back in wherever they are, uh, Wolverine is uh, tracking down the rest of X-Force, and he smacks them around a good bit. And... So they're allegedly in West Texas. Okay. And then they run through this body of water, which – has to be then a cattle pond, which means that water is gross as gross. Um, it's going to be full of manure and. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought that was like the Florida Keys or something, the way it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, it does look swampy, but there's no swamps in West Texas. Hmm. So, yeah. um, so Psylocke, Psychic Knives, Siren, and knocks her out. And then Wolverine does the two claws on the other side of your neck trick to Feral. And they well, give I, up. Hmm? I think it's worth mentioning. I believe we've had the the claws on the side of the face. This is the first time that I'm aware of Wolverine doing like a, a fake skewer under around the neck like this. Yeah. So that's kind of a Wolverine first right there. 
And that's always something that boggles me because Wolverine's hands have to be massive to be able to <laughs> right. be the size of your head. Well, I didn't mean to decapitate her, but oops. And then, uh, and then the, they they give. I'm getting an echo. Sorry, I thought it was you guys talking. Um, they they give up, and Cannonball gets turbine handcuffs put on his hands, which apparently make the sound chin clud. <laughs> the Rammstein song. Um, and then everyone's sad, and they get taken to X Men jail. So just like Wolverine can smell. The uh, X Force sabotage. Feral can smell that they're going to attack any second now. Yeah. So there's an interesting use of of olfactory senses in X Men. Um, but yeah, there you go. So like, this isn't the real Psylocke, right? Because you're not saying about the focused totality of her. <laughs> 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 um, right. I'm going to. I'm going to surprise you all. Uh, even though we get to see Strife in his uh, kitchen utensil uniform for the first time um, in, in this event, um, I actually really like this issue because I think it's a nostalgic thing because this is like the first Xbox, Xbox issue I ever owned. And like one of mm. the, and nice. this is the funk, the, the funk cover is just, just reminds me of, of buying comics when I was a kid. Yeah. It's just like pure joy to me. It's and fun. Weirdly, I, I really like, I think the art, Reading it back, I think the art's quite fun. It's quite bright mm-hmm. and vibrant. I think it's good for it. Really works. It's really kinetic for the fights. I think the fight itself is is interesting. Of course, these poor X Force kiddies are going to lose against the combined mm-hmm. might of all the elders. But it does it does feel like um, they give a they give a good fight until it's like no, you lost. Um, and there's some really like interesting uses. I think one of my favorite panels is the uh, when. They put their hands just before they put their hands up, and there's like a million multiple men in the forest. Um, yeah, shadows. And I do really like the shot of um, Storm's team that should have should have existed with Quicksilver, um, because I think there's some really nice uses of um, staging and uh, positioning of characters to make like cool superhero um, sort of silhouettes and. Uh, poses like every single one of them might as well have gone pose um every time uh, they came out something I, I really cause like even the punch the surfing punch as now i will always call it um is like a are you ready beast are you ready <laughs> pose and everyone's just posing really well um and i love the fact that archangels is completely blue balled about apocalypse again because now we can cry to the to the moon one more time right um and it's so silly, but it kind of like encapsulates early '90s X-Men in just one issue, where it's just yeah. action and sort of weird wisecracks that don't really work, and um, attempt <laughs> at character uh, attempt at character beats that never really fly, and everyone just wants to punch everyone, and that's what we're waiting for. And I just really like it. Surprisingly, of yeah. the six we read, I like this. Yeah, no, I I think I'm I agree with that sentiment as well. I know it's just a fight issue, but it's so well executed. Um, yeah, and also we get we get famine and gets to say um, above you, on top of you, and inside you as well. So he's really like no no foreplay for famine. He's <laughs> um, Dan was mentioning uh, strife and all his uh, kitchen utensil glory. <laughs> Now, for for the listeners, uh, Georgie posted a picture of the new version of Steppenwolf from the from the Justice League movie on our Twitter oh, chat, and gosh. we were we had a good fun making fun of that. 
Jeremy Whitley of um, Unstoppable Wasp posted the same picture on Twitter side by side with this picture of Strife. Nice. <laughs> and he said something about, you know, that's this being like the new version of Strife. And, you know, I made the comment about, you know, how dare you impugn Strife like that? And Whitley referred to Strife as um, uh, kitchen knife chandelier head man. <laughs> right? Sure. <laughs> I, I I really like how Capullo draws a chandelier head man. I yeah. I think Capullo is doing some really fun work here. Uh, you know, I I I didn't pay that much attention to artists who was who way back in the day, but like reading through this now, I'm like, oh, Capullo's on this. This will be interesting, and to see uh, sort of the hints of where he will he will go, and I. You know, the, the action is exciting. I, I love the angle he uses when Strife is looking down on his quote-unquote parents. Uh, this, As you all mentioned, this is a fun issue, a silly dialogue. Um, it, it's it's the, the essential, like, hey, this team is actually going to upset the, the, the team that's favored, and then one page later, oh, no, they lost. It's... Um, it, it was just a fun, dumb, early X-Men issue. I think I've enjoyed this one the most. Yeah. Plus, we end the issue when Wolverine have a post-fighting cigarette. <laughs> this is the issue where X-Force actually starts to get good. Or, yeah. 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 And that's the subjective term. I would say this is where X-Force starts to get fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as much as I like Nissi, is that his humor is definitely of the dad joke variety. Uh, <laughs> but... There's some some different things to his jokes, but I I enjoy it quite a bit. I'm I'm yeah. going five pouches out of this one. I'm going I'm going full six, and for no other reason than thirty whatever years later, that shot of Sinister with a hole in his head it sticks in my mind from when I was a kid. I mean, I've yeah. never forgotten the way that art looks. Um, and so yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, I'm gonna give it five for being enjoyable and the fact that um, the art team really leans into Sinister and Strife's drag aesthetic um, because they're yeah. basically drag. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna give this five out of six. I think uh, for what it is, it's 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 doing it's doing a great job, and I just had a lot of fun uh, reading this issue. Awesome. All right. All right, well, uh, Uncanny X-Men 295 is next. <clears throat> and on the cover, I'll get to the, the our team in the... Oh, it's good, it's right at the front. Um, the team, uh, not labeled on, on what they're doing, so you get, you pick. Uh, Labdell, <laughs> Peterson, Austin, Iliopolis, Roses, Harris, DeFalco. Who's doing art? We'll never know. Uh, maybe 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 Labdell's coloring this issue. I can't tell you. Right. But um, on the cover, we have... Uh, Colossus and Beast and Storm uh, attacking Apocalypse while he's busting through the floor <laughs> or falling through the floor. I don't, can't tell if he's coming up or down. Um, I just know that Colossus is both angry and sad as he's punching. I don't think this is a very good cover. No, I don't like it at all, to be honest. I feel like Storm is saying, Peter, please, he's had enough. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> Stop crying. The orgasm's happened. He's right. now fallen off the floor. The know. beast is barking like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
horrible, isn't it? Yeah. It's the well, of the so of the six books we're talking about today is the worst cover, I think. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not not a fan. So we uh start off with Body Dysmorphia Apocalypse as he's <laughs> well, at least intentionally this time, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not just <laughs> He's, he's, I don't know, coming out of a, a tornado, a hurricane. I don't know what's <laughs> happening here, but he's he's yelling at the sky as rain is swirling around him. Um, uh, at least it's Angel yelling. Yes, yes. Like like lovers screaming across the, the globe looking for each other. Maybe he heard Archangel, so he's just, you know, shouting back. Sure. It's like that scene from, was it American Tale, where the Fifle is singing the song on the... The top of the building and the sister singing somewhere else. That song to each other. Yeah, uh, I'd pay to see that somewhere <laughs> out there. <laughs> and uh, so Apocalypse, who's uh, in, in pain, but also cherishing the pain because it means he's I don't know alive, breaks into a house because for some reason there's power in this house. Uh, but oh no, the X Men plus Quicksilver were waiting for them for him. They've taken out uh, his his horsemen, and this team was specifically selected because they had a lot of experience with Apocalypse, and they felt like they could take him down. Now, remember, this is a kind of a depowered uh, Apocalypse who hasn't fully recovered. He was he was let out of the uh, Easy Bake Oven too early and is not quite ready. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and there's going to be a fight. And then we get Jubilee gets to shine for a minute, which I kind of loved. Uh, her yelling at the new mutants for being dumb and, and Guido being like, Hey, calm down here. I think this was a fun little character moment. Um, so I like that there. Then we see that the, the, the X-Force is placed in like a holographic cell in the danger room. Um, and they're sort of arguing with each other and everyone's upset. Uh, we cut to Havoc talking to Polaris who's crying and, and the way that he's walking in the room, it almost looks like. He, he like beat her up earlier in the issue and he's coming <laughs> he in to apologize and, and yeah. she's like, no, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'll, I'll always love you. Kind of a, a feel to this. It's a weird, it's a weird emotional scene. Uh, we cut to Psylocke who's watching over Xavier and, and she's like, don't worry, Charles, if the virus is going to kill you, I'll kill you first, which makes no <laughs> sense to me. But we're all thinking, let's be fair. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> then we, all right, we go back to Apocalypse, who is easily taking out all these X-Men team, uh, even though he's, yeah. quote unquote, de- you know, weak. Yeah, uh, Beast points it out. And he's fully formed. <laughs> Beast is like, hey, I think you're weak. I'm going to take you out. And Apocalypse is like, take that backhand. And, and I, I love the Beast is like, I stand corrected. Um, <laughs> as he's getting knocked back. <laughs> um, and remember, this team was perfect, like selected just because they had experience, and they just just get beaten all the hell by Apocalypse. Uh, meanwhile, someplace else, Gene is getting anime um, nightmare. Yes, anime nightmare, <laughs> potted and, and poked and prattled with metal arms until she can't take it anymore. And Strife is like, "How ironic! You 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 ask for mercy." Um, but then we we cut back to our X-Men team, and they're like, this is all the information we know about Strife. Uh, he wears metal, and his name is Strife. <laughs> <laughs> that picture on that TV screen is hilarious. Yes. Like, and here's his design for an action figure. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and Val's like, hey, you know, we just know he's been like attacking stuff with people. 
Um, and Jubilee, the only one with the, with the like smart idea is like, how do we know that's not just Cable with the helmet on? And then no, it was like, no, oh, with an ice bucket oh. on his head. I love that line. Yeah, but it was like, oh yeah, that totally could just be Cable with a helmet on. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone who's reading the books, like, isn't this just Cable? Um, we cut back to, and then this is this is the weirdest thing, and this will continue in the next issue. But we cut to Wolverine and Bishop just beating up people in green armor, and Bishop has like a a, a, a older brother crush on Wolverine, and he's trying to prove that he's you know strong enough and man enough, and he, he can be part of the team. And and Wolverine's kind of like giving him advice, and at the end of them fighting, Wolverine's like, you know what, you remind me of a younger me, and I don't, you know, I don't. Does anyone else feel like Bishop is a young Wolverine? <laughs> anyway, That's always bug me about about Bishop. He's supposed to be like twenty. He no, he's obviously he's very visually not twenty, but he's supposed to be a very young. Right. So they yeah. get up all these people. Uh, then we cut back to "quote unquote" elsewhere, and Apocalypse is just like wiping the floor with all of the X Men here. Um, they think that uh, Archangel might have finally uh, gotten the upper hand. He's got his wings at Apocalypse's throat and ready to ready to like cut him until Apocalypse says, "You know why I came to this estate house? Power! <laughs> <laughs> I went I went to state house shopping and I chose this one because this one had all the power." Um, it just sounds like the, something a one percenter would say. Uh, he he zaps out all this, this energy because, and uh, people go flying, uh, and Apocalypse teleports out. And at the end of the issue, we have Havoc and Gambit playing good cop, bad cop, kind of, until they're both like, "Hey, Sam, you want to join us again? I know we just arrested you, but do you? Would you mind everyone putting on your costumes on again and fighting with us?" Uh, kind of makes the last issue a little bit pointless, but whatever. Um, and at the end, uh, Cable body slides into uh, Department K, and he's like, oh, things are finally turning my way. I'm going to get these files and get out of here. And, uh, oh, no. Who would have thought? It's Wolverine and Bishop waiting for me uh, to be continued. I, I, misread, I misread the you that they two scream as Yogg. Uh, I um, thought this was a silly issue I thought this was a dumb issue I thought um, I just I was not enjoying this at all I I think these uncanny issues are not working for me Um, I I do sort of appreciate the weirdness of how Apocalypse is drawn here I haven't uh, read a whole lot of early 90s Apocalypse I don't remember him um Rather, you know, with, with little like spaghetti strands flying off of him in, in that sort of way. I remember him growing large and like his arms being very fantastic for Mr. Fantastic E. But uh, this was sort of like a weird uh, jelly putty kind of apocalypse. Uh, this just felt like uh, it was just felt odd to me. Uh, I, I don't know why. It's like setting up a lot of things again and then watching them fail. Uh, I just wasn't, I don't know, do you guys have any positives to say about this issue? No. They managed managed to um, give Apocalypse a a phallus on his head. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And Psylocke, exactly how I feel about Xavier every time I see him. Maybe if I just end him now, the suffering will stop. (laughs) 
Yeah, but they forgot to finish that page, right? Yes. <laughs> right, that page didn't get all the way through production. I mean, am I the only one? Uh, yeah. No, so we went for my favorite. of the. Uh, so we're talking about the first six today on this episode. And we went from my favorite chapter in chapter four to my least favorite in chapter five. Okay. And it's, a, it's, it's kind of whiplashy how – I mean, I still thought it was okay. But compared to the rest, like all the fun's kind of gone – I think yes. that's the part that really tripped me up. Um, and it maybe goes back to your point earlier, Grant, that, that maybe Lobdell has taken this his portion a little too seriously. <laughs> but I mean, it just doesn't. It just feels like someone slammed on the brakes and was like, no, no more fun. There, there's so much about this issue that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like The, the thing that bugs me is like, okay, so X-Force is being kept in the danger room as a prison. Why were they made to change into X-Men uniforms as a prison uniform? That makes no sense. As mm. someone who used to work in a jail? Here's these extra police uniforms. Why don't you put these on and hang out real fast? <laughs> like, well, like, okay, are, are you worried that their, their clothes are going to get damaged and you'll be sued? Um, why I don't know. And this is creepy. It's just like, here, put, put these clothes on so we can watch you through this window. It's, it's weird. Psychologically damaging. Talking about creepy. Talk about, um, having a son molest their mother with robot arms. That's yes. Creepy. And Peterson's art leans into one of my least favorite nineties trope. I, you know, I, I talked about like the strip of cloth that covers the crotch. I hate the strip of cloth that, that emulates covering the crotch because it's part of the uniform. I, and it really, oh, right. really into that here, and it's just an ugly, ugly page. Yeah, yeah. This is an ugly book. The, the shot of strife on the next page, where he's looking down at Jean, looks pretty good. Um, but the colors in this are bad. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a fan of Peterson's art. If you didn't read Blood and Metal, it wouldn't make any sense at all why Wolverine and well. One, it wouldn't make sense why Cable would go to Department K to get his files because that was a whole big part of of the thing there. But it doesn't make any sense why Wolverine and Bishop would know the Department K has files on Cable. But it's it's K for Canada, right? Department K. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it almost feels like Wolverine's just like, well, this is the place that I know has files, so maybe there's files on Cable. Right. Maybe. <laughs> it's the one file house I know. So, And, like, when I think of apocalypse shape-shifting, I think of it as, like, big mechanical shapes, like mm-hmm. he's turning into, like, big crane arms and junk like that. When, he, when he's going full-on Mr. Fantastic Plastic Man, it just makes apocalypse look dumb. See, there's, a, there's one panel where he's breaking out of Bobby's ice, where he, he looks fantastic, where he's massively hulking and his, his mouth's wide open mm-hmm. and he's like screaming with energy. And I'm like, that's cool. And then the rest of the book happens and I'm like, that's not so cool. Um, <laughs> so my biggest problem is Storm's not allowed to do anything. It's like an X-Men movie. She's like thrown out a window or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, like the team sent to defeat him. No offense to Archangel, but like the weakest member is the one that actually gets the upper hand. Um, it just seems weird. Like surely Storm would just like rage, and I don't understand the building thing either. Like 
is it because he's getting the power out of some desperate housewife so he can power up or something? I think that ballet from like his first appearance, like way back in late eighties X Factor, but I don't know. It doesn't spell it out. I'm also I also hate the um, work on women's uh, skirts. It's like the only thing that has any detail in hatching or color work is just women's skirts. It was in the first um, of Peterson's issues, and it's also in this one. Because Val's skirt is the only real detail on that entire page. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it just bugs the hell out of me. Jubilee's uh, MVP for me um, yeah. as well, because the dialogue's terrible for the most part. Um, it's a lot of like villain pontificating, uh, Wolverine and um, Bishop um, slapping each other with their own ego. And um, yeah. And, 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 yeah, I just don't like it. <laughs> it's not a fan. It's a bad bad plus the close-ups on jubilee's face are some of the only good art in these like where she's shouting loser and then like a couple pages later where she's pouting those both look pretty good um but the the page where they're at the x mansion and sam is brought up from the danger room to go meet with gambit and havoc and because the color is wonking in this i thought that was i thought sam was banshee (laughs) <laughs> and when you're doing a close-up of Gambit with his big floofy hair in his facial buttress and Havoc with his hair, big floofy hair in his facial buttress, I thought yeah. the close-up was Havoc holding up a playing card. That's funny. <laughs> They're the same character right now. Yeah. Initially. Also, Paul, Paul Cable has put on some weight between issues. Uh, um, John Goodman, Cable, Cable. yep. <laughs> <laughs> Those thighs, oh my goodness. Yeah. We could talk about the fact I could write an essay about the thighs and all of these issues. Um, <laughs> it's like an obsession with giant thighs. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And his face looks really bad in, in those panels, too. But yeah, not definitely my least favorite. I'm going two pouches on this one, guys. Um, I'm going to go a little lower because I literally switched off when I was reading it. <laughs> I had to read it again. So I'm going to go one. <laughs> Well, on my sliding scale, considering I've been doing fives and sixes, um, I'm going to do a very soft three. It's definitely my least favorite of the bunch. I'm going to go with a a two. It's not like the objectionably. It didn't didn't offend me. It didn't it didn't like make me want to throw up. It was just not good comics. Right. Okay. All right. Are we sure about the previous like that 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 issue had the worst cover? Because we're about to get the <laughs> X Factor eighty five. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's at least interesting. Yeah. So X Factor <laughs> number eighty five. Three guys fighting just out of tar. I mean, what's what's not the right? Worst? Right. Well, it's, it's, it's our holy trinity of nineties X Men. Yeah. It's uh, Cable, Bishop, and Wolverine, and then off. See, there, there was originally a gatefold cover, and off the side was Archangel and Gambit pouting, going, I thought we were the 90s darlings. Um, <laughs> but, but Bishop and Cable took their place. Um, and they're all scowling. Uh, Wolverine's claws are eight feet long. Um, and yeah, they, they are kind of fighting in tar, aren't they? I generally feel like sometimes I keep looking at the X next to underneath cable. I feel like is that a microphone he's holding? Yeah, yeah, I was sticking that too. <laughs> but it's like 
it feels like the inking is angry at the characters. Like, like, um, like the darkness is. It's just they're just like, why are you here? I just want a black. I literally want just a black front cover. It feels like uh, everything's so aggressively angry at each other. The <laughs> ex below Cable's face is the housing where he keeps the airbag. Right. <laughs> he gets punched right. and explodes. Totally. <laughs> All right, well, this is Snicks and Bones, which is a great, great title. Um, and then basically in this one, Wolverine, Bishop, and Cable fight in Department K. Cannonball, and I started writing names, and I just wrote, and others, uh, ferret out some MILFs in Arkansas, um, which, you know, that sounds like a good vacation, right? Um, <laughs> Apocalypse. Finds it's like they dreamed my head last night. <laughs> right? Apocalypse finds a cable safe house and gets pissy that cable is just biting his style and using his tech. Uh, Strife tricks Cyclops into blasting kids and Gene in a dark room to prove a point. While finding the MILF's Archangel's wings decapitate Kamikaze, uh, Cable claims that he's being framed and stops fighting and says, if you're going to kill me, kill me. And then Wolverine moves in for the kill but retracts his claws at the last second. Uh, and Bishop is pissed that Wolverine didn't kill Cable. But Wolverine says, dead is 100% dead. So we got to be 100% sure, bub. <laughs> Coming from him, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> At which point I should add, Cable tells Bishop, you really should switch to decaf. <laughs> he does. You like, you're, calm you're down, soldier. Extreme than me, and I started 90s extreme. Yeah. Right. Um, can, we, can we mention the fact that, yet again, two X-Men characters are going to drop an album at the front of a, a comic on the first page of a Jaylee Excellent. Because Wolverine yeah. and Bishop look like they are literally about to set the house on fire with whatever they're coming out with. Right. <laughs> it's it's uh it's the first rap metal album. Oh. <laughs> Wolverine's gonna do the metal and, and Bishop's gonna do the rap. Um Snicks and Sparks. Yes. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> oh my. I still love the art though. <laughs> I love everything about the art except how Jay Lee draws Cable. Um, I don't know. It's different for sure. It doesn't really. It's not quite the right physique. Right. But I I feel like it looks cool, but it is a little jarring. I mean, can you imagine standing that cable next to the John Romita Jr. cable? No. <laughs> the, the waist is like that's like Boom Boom's waist. Right. Um, I think the, on the opening page, the image of Bishop, he Jay Lee pretty much superimposed that image and took out the hair for his cover of like Youngblood Strike File. Yes, <laughs> yeah, very much. Chapel. Very much. He's got the teeth and everything, no nose. Yep. Yeah. Hey, speaking of that title page, what's up with the Scantron bubbles on the credits? Are we oh. supposed to like, pick who we like? Like circle, <laughs> like fill in the circles. Yep. <laughs> this is yep. Pretty much, this is the correct answer. Okay. Right. Oh, I guess I should have mentioned, by the way, uh, Peter David wrote Jay Lee Pencils, Al Milgram inks, and this time, Gwyneth Oliver on colors, which I thought worked out even better than the first issue that they did. What did you think? Because, Dan, you were kind of complaining that the covers didn't really do anything for you on the other X-Factor issue. Now that we have Oliver back, you feel like it got better? Mm, 
it's brighter, not better. Um, okay. I think, I think tonally, um, the obsession with ink everywhere um, kind of mutes, muddies the color anyway. And right. I think um, Lee really leans into like disproportioning everything. Like, uh, like you said, Cable looks ridiculous. He kind of looks like a hobo wearing a turtle shell. <laughs> um, and um, there's this really horrible panel of Rogue where her um, it looks like she can't move because her breasts are so unbelievably round like me- literally like fruit rather than actual human breasts um, I, I really don't know there's some Walt Simpson sort of aping in certain panels um, and it moves moves between like too uh, angular to almost too soft in in, in, in transitions um, I do like his apocalypse. I think apocalypse looks good uh, as a triangle. And, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> what a job! But, uh, I, I, I think on the whole, it's still got an issue. I've still got really bad. Like, I don't know how um, human being or bishop uh, can fire a blast while also trying to take a dump on the floor. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but. Um, I don't know. It just something doesn't quite work with the like. I like it because it's abstract. Yes. But it doesn't, yeah. Yeah. Nothing sort of works. Like um, David's script very much. I'm trying to be funny. Um, turned up to a thousand and um, uh, leaning in the, into the absurdity of of the of cable and what's going on is great in a script. But when the visual isn't matching it, the visual's like I'm sort of telling a weird dark fable um, while X-Men characters scream at each other. Because, um, <laughs> like, that dragon girl, I, pff, she, looks, she, she looks completely his style. And then you see uh, Storm in that. Storm basically looks like a robot that someone has thrown, like an action figure that someone's thrown, like a kid has thrown, like, like a paper like a plane. Like yeah. 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 And it, it, it's just crazy. Like, he's, he's more concerned with um, and and the thinness of blades really concerns me. Like Psylocke's little blade is basically a toothpick. Reaper's uh, scythe is essentially like a twig. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just I don't know. At least Strife's helmet's got more blades on it now. I suppose. Yeah, the close um, It's really cool. I I know Oliver's a great colorist. I don't think she's a good match for Lee's pencils. Not a, I yeah. think it having a more muted color palette works well for the darkness of Lee's style. And I think when you brighten up his work, it I don't know, does bad things. I'm firing out of adjective. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I did one thing I really like though on page it's 18 of the digital copy. It's, it's the one uh, where Wolverine and, Cable and Bishop are fighting again, and it's like speed lines Wolverine. I like the coloring on that because it looks like Wolverine's 80s costume. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of neat. Um, I don't. I also like... really like the one a couple of pages later where the colors change from like orange to yellow to red as yeah. Wolverine is snickowing mm-hmm. uh, into the wall where right. you think he's going to stab Cable. Hmm. I I like this issue less than the last X Factor. Um, I don't know. It's it's I and I I always wonder when I see like I don't know who did the inks on the J Lee issues of Namor because I never used to pay attention to inkers, but I I wonder how much of the heavy inking is Milgram and how much is Lee going okay ink this real heavy. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because... <laughs> I don't know either, Jason. I hope you're still recording. It says it's still recording. Yes. Oh, he stopped doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You don't know, but that was future Ollie came back in time. You were about to say something that was going to get you canceled. Right. And uh, Ollie, yeah, a la Cable is trying to save the future. There you go. Well, yeah. future's got fentanyl in it. So there's another interesting panel. It's the page where it's kind of the close-up undershot of uh, Cyclops firing his optic beam while shouting you. And then there's a panel right next to it where all these reaching hands. In the yes, part I like that. The yellow bits of his costume, which is really interesting. I don't know if it's good, but it's it's neat. It, like you could see it as someone just took parts of Cyclops' costume and just threw them in the air. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's cool. And I like the pixelated effect of the background, too. Yeah. Yeah, the, the dot matrix. Yeah. Halftone kind of thing going on there. Mm-hmm. All I can say is I feel tired <laughs> after all of these issues. I've started <laughs> so to... Much it, it yeah, my energy has been drained by all of this. I, I feel like I need a nap now after yeah. everything that's happened here. Well, I, luckily for you, we're almost done, so... I, mean, I think this is it, right? If we're doing another issue, I, I, I think this is it, right? Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, yeah okay, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think of just like the random people just being killed willy-nilly by X-Men characters? Was that was um, that odd to you at all? Uh, it didn't bother me when Kamikaze got killed because uh, I think it was yeah. an accident. Yeah, I don't think it was, it was the wings. The wings were in control of that action. Also, his, his name kind of gives away what's going to happen to him. Well, yeah, case. I think uh, Boom Boom says that, or someone says that. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, well, with a name like Kamikaze, what would you expect? Uh, Grant, I did like um, the callback uh, to Dragoness having a crush on Cannonball after their kiss at, towards the end of New Mutants. And uh, I agree with Dan, though. The shot of Dragonus flying through the air is probably the best image of the whole issue. Yeah. If not for, like, standing yeah, yeah. sideways at an angle storm right above her. <laughs> Storm's such a robot, bless her. And she does nothing here. She could literally take this dragon woman out of the air, but nope. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's trolling her teammates. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't actually control the weather anymore. She's just like, no, just fly. <laughs> But um, how are you all going to grade this one? I'm going to go three on this one. I I love Lee's artwork in general, but for some reason it it just doesn't work on this issue and with these particular characters. I think if it was if this was just like an issue of Wolverine going around doing stuff, it would be neat. Um, and Archangel doing stuff, it would be neat. But it like. Like, there's a picture panel of Iceman who looks like he's a demon. Um, and that just doesn't work. So. Right, well, I obviously like the art a lot more than everyone else, so I'm going to stay uh, five out of six pouches for me. I, 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 boy. I st- I, as Dan mentioned, it's very abstract, and I like looking at it in that fashion. But there's just a lot of sort of randomness happening in this issue that isn't so so fun for me. 
and, and maybe it's unfair to this issue, but as I mentioned, I feel drained after all this. <laughs> so um, I might be a little bit harsh on this one, but I'll, I'll do like a, a three out of six pouches. See, I like I like the fact that it feels experimental in places, but it's so tonally against what's actually happening mm-hmm. um, that it works against its favor as a book. Um, also, dude, it's only only part six, and we've got filler yet again. That's like two, two <laughs> issues of filler. So I'm I'm yeah. gonna punish this with a, with a two out of six class because it, it's a bit too. I don't know. People need to realize that events can only be can just like you can do it in like four issues and you're done. Yeah, there's no, it's yeah. okay, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One issue of each book, and it could have finished the whole thing. Well, I don't know. I feel like we could have had 22 issues, and uh, really, <laughs> yeah, really focus into something yeah. special. Hey, hey! If you count all of the chapters, Infinity War is over 40 parts. I just <laughs> I just finished reading and recording on that, and it it was. Like two solid weeks of my time. <laughs> did, I, did I hear you right? You had to like take time off of work to read that. <laughs> I didn't have to. I used some time off to read that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> After I did some projects. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think twelve is probably a little bloated. So I, I get what you guys are saying for sure. I think I'm still having a little bit maybe more fun, but I definitely agree with. A critical standpoint, what you guys are are, are throwing down. I think cool. I think on a nostalgia level, um, either I die, my soul has died, and my nostalgia <laughs> still is gone, or um, maybe the time of Excalibur is where I'm like, oh yeah, my nostalgia's really. Oh no, the books are shit. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think that's come into play, and I'm like, no, I have no expectations anymore because <laughs> if I enjoyed it as a kid, I'll hate it as an adult. Apparently, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I think that just plays a part. Unfortunately. All right. So we're going to wrap this thing up. Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, yep. so if you guys uh, enjoyed our talking about this, uh, we will continue to do so um, on your show, right, Jason? Or on uh, Excalibur? Well, Excalibur, I think, okay. right? We'll and then um, on the Excalibur sometime. I'll do like a super cut for a okay. cast. Yeah. So we'll do this sometime in the future on the Excalibur. Uh, in the meantime, for my show, after the Excaliburus issue episode comes out, I will continue talking about X Force, and then very shortly after that, I will begin Cable's solo series. Um, the uh, the pace of the show is going to slow way down because I'm basically going to do one issue that features Cable and going in depth in it per week, and then I'm also going to talk briefly about the issues of X-Men and X-Force that have the other Summers family members in them. Uh, but the pace is going to slow down about one month per issue. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at stormchaser2162, a name that has absolutely nothing to do with cable. And <laughs> our opening music for the show is the song Time Zero by the band A Sound of Thunder because nothing says cable more. Then a metal song about time travel. Guys, do you want to plug your shows? Yeah, go at Scalabros. Um, Well, okay. I always have to do this. Um, <laughs> if you want to listen to the Excalibros and listen to me and Georgie hate everything that comes across our table, it would seem. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> look, look. That's a piss poor job there, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> You're really I'm sorry. Let, let me... Let me get, 
we 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 engage that in a Jane Austen way. Dear listeners, if you would like to follow um, and listen to our astonishing um, takes on Excalibur, X-Force, X-Factor, we'll probably get to X-Force at some point. We seem to be just picking up all the X-Men orphans. Um, Gen X and Exiles, you can listen to our podcast at Podbean at um, Excalibur's uh, forward slash Podbean.com or is it the Podbean? Just search Excalibur's on Google. You will find it. There you go. That, that makes more sense. And if you want to follow, yes, if you follow follow us on Twitter at Excaliburs One, you'll find out when we release um, episodes and such forth, and all of the lovely things. I don't think we'll ever pick up X Force, but if if we were going to pick up a next book, it would probably be Ecstatics. (laughs) Yes, yes, that would your show very well. Yes. All right, and uh, of course for the Wolverine podcast that goes snicked, you can like the Facebook page and Twitter is at Snickcast, and also on Podbean, uh, snickcast.podbean.com. And I look very forward to doing part two of our uh, Exover song, as Grant uh, was calling it in our in our chat. So uh, I thought this was a lot of fun, guys. So thank you all for, for doing this. Yeah. And been a pleasure. Anybody else have anything to add before we head out? Tune in soon for my show and these other fine shows, because with cable, it's always just a matter of time. Body slide by four.